In the name of the true and living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The first thing to say about our gospel reading is that following as Lord and Savior, a person who knows how to keep a party going, seems to be a perk of the Christian life that we should not pass over too quickly. You remember how the journalist H.L. Mencken described the joyless Christian as the one who has a haunting fear that someone somewhere may be having a good time. Maybe it's the case that before we would have seen Jesus and his ragtag band of followers in first century Palestine, we would have overheard their laughter and joy as they broke bread and gave hope to all kinds of people, people that a well-respected teacher was not meant to dine with, tax collectors, sinners, the poor, and the like. Now, the problem presented in our gospel reading is pretty clear. There's a wedding feast in Cana of Galilee, and they've run out of wine. And a nuptial party in those days was meant to go on for a week. Now, keep in mind that this is right at the very start of John's gospel. We're in chapter 2, and this is the first miracle to occur. Actually, unlike Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John doesn't use that word, miracle. Instead, it's the first of seven signs, first of seven signs in his gospel. And a sign does what? It points us to something, something nearby or something lying ahead. So in this season after the epiphany, what are we to make of this sign of water into wine? And why does John have it? And the start of his gospel, the first sign. It's clearly an indicator of abundance. Any kind of wine would have been great. In fact, the cheapest box wine, you know, the two-buck chuck of Trader Joe's, that would have been fine since everyone had already tasted the good stuff and had plenty of it. But Jesus presents the best wine they've tasted yet. And those six Large stone water jars, they held about 30 gallons apiece. So you do the math. It's a sign of extravagance, it's a sign of abundance, a sign that in the one who Mary says, do whatever he tells you, that in him, life, joy, and salvation have arrived for everyone. In the beautiful prologue to John's gospel that we prayed and read during Christmastide, we heard that in him was life. And that life was the light of all people. And later in this same gospel, Jesus will tell us, I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. The word made flesh brings abundant life to those who listen to his voice. Not just existence, but a life swept up into communion with the living God. Life where baskets of food are left over after everyone has had their fill. Life that looks like a wedding feast going on for days with wine that will never run out. Standing in the light of the word made flesh, we're able to see life shot through 
with the clear vision of God's grace, grace that never runs out. John only uses the word grace four times in his gospel. But the whole gospel is showing us what grace feels, sounds, looks, and tastes like. I remember my ninth grade English teacher telling me, you know, when you're writing, stop telling me and show me. John's showing us what the kingdom feels like. And this morning, the Spirit wants us to know, the people of God gathered in this place, that grace tastes like the finest wine you've ever tasted. And it looks like stone jars filled to the brim and spilling onto the ground. When we come into contact with the Word, the Word who brings uncreated light and unending life into our world, when we listen to what He says, we learn that abundant grace is at the heart of all things. And that is our salvation, knowing that that grace is at the heart of it all. Martin Luther King Jr. came into contact with the Word made flesh. How could he not? As the son of the black church, as the son of a preacher, and the words of the prophets in the spiritual sung by the choir, and in the Eucharist, he heard and tasted the dream of the abundant life of the kingdom that's on offer for all of God's children. He knew the amazing grace of Jesus Christ for him and for the whole world. So he marched on as a disciple of Jesus so that all people will know the glorious liberty of the children of God. In his own words, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And that's all this whole thing is about. We aren't engaged in any negative protest and in any negative arguments with anybody. We're saying that we're determined to be people. We're saying that we are God's children and that we don't have to live like we're forced to live. King knew that the abundant life of Jesus was for everyone and that the promises of scripture, the story of salvation are for us and our life right now. Abundant life is for all right now in this world. King says, it's all right to talk about long white robes over yonder in all of its symbolism, but ultimately people want some suits and dresses and shoes to wear down here. It's all right to talk about streets flowing with milk and honey, but God has commanded us to be concerned about the slums down here and his children who can't eat three square meals a day. It's all right to talk about the new Jerusalem, but one day God's preachers must talk about the New York, the new Atlanta, the new Philadelphia, the new Los Angeles, the new Memphis, Tennessee. This is what we have to do. Friends, we gather around this altar week in and week out to come into contact with the Word made flesh, to listen to Him, the one who is the source of abundant life, and to enter into communion with God in word, sacrament, and prayer, and song, in the lives of the saints, the living Christ is pouring his light into our hearts and into our world. 
And the promises of scripture, the story of salvation, are here on offer for everyone. And the abundant life of Jesus wants to come to life in us right now. And as his disciples, as his followers, we are called to shine with the radiance of his glory and become walking sacraments, walking signs of abundant life, little Christ. So as we stretch out our hands this morning to receive his great sacrament, pray that we become what we receive so that people everywhere will taste and hear and see the amazing grace of God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.